This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone. Today on the program, I'm joined by a six-time All-Star and a 2007 World Series champion. Finished his career with 368 saves. Ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan Papelman. Jonathan, thanks for coming on the program. What's up, Boone? Good, man. Glad to be here, man. Excited to talk to you. Sure, we got a lot of interesting shit to talk about today. We do. Our our careers kind of crossed over. You know, I was getting out. You were getting in to the the rat race. Uh, I want to talk about closers. My generation, Trevor Hoffman, teammate of mine, adversary for a lot of years. Hell's Bells comes on. I know, first of all, I'm not at home. I played, Trevor and myself played together one year in, in San Diego. But other than that, you know, he was that guy trying to get me out. Hell's Bells comes on. I know I'm not at home. It's a bad sign. Enter Sandman comes on. Mariano Rivera comes in. I know I'm not at home. I know I'm sitting at Yankee Stadium. So not only is the crowd against us, he's feeling good. Nine out of ten times, usually in those situations, as a hitter, we're not in good shape. In Boston, your heyday, Dropkick Murphy comes on. I have an idea what hitters are thinking. They're thinking, this, this ain't looking good for us. But tell me that feeling coming in when, when you're at home, you're in a groove. You know you're feeling good. You know, once in a while you're going to screw up. Everybody's going to know about it. But for the most part, you know how we're feeling as opponents. Yeah, you know, I mean, for me, I always took it as, you know, this is my time of the game. And I, I also took it very serious to the point where um, sometimes if I felt like not all of us were in it, we got into altercations. But to me, that was the culmination of the game. You know, 
they wanted me to start when I was young. The Red Sox wanted me to start, and I finally went to Tito. And thank God I had Tito, man, and what a great manager he was. And I came into the office one day, and I was like, man, this starting shit, this is for the birds, man. I cannot sit on this bench for five days and play the game. I want to play. I want a chance at it every day. And so for me, um, that is kind of how I made my mind up. And, and you know, when the whole music and everything started cu- – Obviously, me, I idolized Mo and, and Hoff, and, th- man, those were the guys, you know. And um, I, I, I feel like I wouldn't have been a part of what I was a part of without them, and you know that, Brett. I mean, it, it, baseball, is this game is passed down to us from the guys that previously played. We're lucky as hell to play it, and I feel like I was lucky as hell to be in that position, follow those two guys, and not only that, Man, yeah, Boston was – and also, man, I was in the city. We were – the Celtics were winning. The Patriots were winning. We were winning, and it was a great time, you know. So, um, yeah. Yeah, very cool. It, you know, Trevor uh, – th- there's different types of closers. Trevor, Mo, uh, Elise Smith, I think, of is a guy I played with in, in my Cincinnati days. We had Rob Nen on the program recently. But the original guys that I that, – and I played with all three of them. And Norm Norm Charlton to this day is still one of my best buddies. Yeah. But it was the the nasty boys in Cincinnati. It was Rob Dibble, it was Norm Charlton, it was Randy Myers. So I mentioned those first. Trevor, Mo, kind of the lunch pail to work. Right. Uh just business as usual. And then the ladder guys. I look at the ladder guys. They kind of remind me of how you probably were. You were probably more of a dibble norm uh yeah, well, I would, I Randy guy. Good teammates. Huh? I think we would have all been pretty good teammates. Yeah, and and, and there's what it, what I'm saying is I played with all the all the different kinds. You know, some were you played with different teammates. Some were emotion on your sleeve. Some were just kind of we go to work, we do our job. They can all work, but but talk about the different. How, how did you formulate, or or is that the way you always were growing up as a kid? That type of personality where in your face controversial i was like that i was a red ass i mean we're we're all built differently but how did you come up with that was that something you were always like that or when you became a closer that personality kind of got a little bit even larger no i think we're all products of our environment man you know um I, I, that's the way i grew up i grew up in a family in the south with three boys uh not a whole lot of money man if you wanted a second you better be the first one done loud boisterous you know broken noses and broken arms and that's just kind of the way we grew up man and um you know i've always kind of been either you know i'm i'm gonna take you or leave you guy man to me like if you're in my bunker man like let's do this and i'm gonna do everything to help you and hopefully you do the same for me um, but if you're not, I don't, you know, I could really care less. I wear my emotions on my sleeve a lot, especially when I pitched. Um, and I felt like that's what made me good. That's what made me, you know, I, and as I, as I got older and I transformed into, uh, each chapter of my life, you know, I think it changes, but I mean, I still went about my business the same way. No. And I know what you're talking about as we do get older, uh, you know, I came to the big leagues with my hair on fire and it was like, you know, I walked a certain way. I didn't, it, nothing was premeditated, but I had all these people telling me what I was. And I was kind of like, 
I don't really give a shit. This is the way I do it. This is what got me here. Now, as I grew up a little bit and, and years later, you know, I'm 30 years old looking at that, that 20 year old kid going, all right, I had a lot to learn then, <laughs> you know? And now, you know, now I was 32 at 30, 31, 32, I'm in my prime. And now I know it all. Now at 54, I look at that 32 year old and even laugh a little bit. Like, yeah, I, I had it a little more together, but I still had a lot to learn. And we're always, we're constantly learning, but I know we, I, I can relate to exactly what you're saying. As we get older, you know, we look at things differently and, and doesn't mean we would have changed things. You know, the reason I think we have success at this level is, is the little nuances we are you being the type of person you, you, you couldn't probably take the mound like Trevor Hoffman. That doesn't work for you. No. You know, I couldn't hit like Edgar Martinez. That wouldn't work for me. I had to hit like I had to hit, you know, we, we go about a different way to get the same results. And, and I had a lot of teammates that didn't have, I had, and I talk about this guy all the time. <clears throat> he's one of my favorite, not only teammates, but he's one of my favorite human beings in life. And that was Johnny Olerud. We couldn't be polar opposites. I mean, this guy, I mean, schoolboy come to the ball. I mean, completely different, but we were the best of friends. And I, and I love him to death to this day. Yeah. I played with John small time, small little bit, but yeah. Yeah. Exactly what you're talking about, man. Yeah. Different ways, man. Different ways. You know, too, Brent. I mean, I also think that too, for me, when I got into the big leagues, I mean, you come from a big league family, but I had, many of personalities and many of don't give a shit. I, but I also had to find myself. And I mean, you got to think David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez, Kurt Schilling, Johnny Damon, Kevin Millar, Trot Nixon, Gabe Kaplan. These are the guys that I came up with. So not only well, they rode my ass a lot because I had success and I was cocky and man, did I get my ass rid, but I loved it. And yeah, it was a part of it, but the biggest thing I, you just talked about it is they, they taught me know thyself, know yourself, know who you are. Um, there's going to be many coaches that come along that try to tell you to do this. If you know who you are, you're going to be more successful. If you know who you are inside and outside, who you are as a player, you be you. And that's what I tried to do. That's that's cool. You talk about that, though, because it is it's a different time now. 2023, when I came up, it was 1992. You came up in 2005. <clears throat> the culture was different. It was, hey, that's fine. You know, a lot of guys came up. I used to love Johnny later in my career when I was that veteran. And I'd see that rookie coming up. I know what I went through as a rookie. They made me wear a dress three, four times. I laughed at him. I just kind of wore it had fun with it. I didn't fight it because I knew my personality just brought that on. And the guys loved me, but it was tough love. I had to prove to them that I was a big leaguer. Correct. When I was a, a veteran and they'd have that young player come up and, you know, I wasn't the big disciplinary guy. I wasn't that veteran that as long as you respect your elders, you respect the guys in the room that have been doing it, it for years. I love to see that young cocky kid. I loved it because I thought, he actually has got a chance. He's going to get his butt kicked. He's going to get humbled. You know, I don't have to humble him. I don't have to give him a dress because Randy Johnson's pitching tonight and he's going to humble this, this young man for me. Now I want to see what he's made of when he gets his butt kicked. Does he get back up? Those are the guys that are going to have the, the careers, but you, you hit on a good point. The guys rode your ass. They were tough on you, but it was good for you. 
in the long run. The kids today, when they come up, and I'm not saying this is this is up for debate. It seems nowadays that the kids are coming up at a younger age, <clears throat> and it seems like when they're rookies, they're given carte blanche. It's like you're one of the you're one of the guys from the get go. Whereas I was like, sit, sit, yeah. speak when spoken to. Jay Buner, I'll never forget it. Jay Buner, Chris Bosio were two guys. They loved me to death. They gave me the keys to a condo. They paid my bills. But I'll tell you. You sit on the front of the bus, you shut up, you speak when you're spoken to. And over time, you earn their respect and you earn the right to be a big leaguer. I wouldn't have it any other way. I think it taught me a lot of lessons. The The, the flip side is today when a rookie comes out, hey, treat him the same. He's equal. Well, I don't know. When I think about it from a team standpoint is, is it giving you too much too early? It's like you come to the big leagues, you get your shoe as your own shoe as a rookie. It took me 10 years to get a shoe. And when I got it, it was like I was a kid at Christmas. Now they give it to you earlier. The, 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 the argument is, well, if you make them comfortable at an earlier age, maybe that's better for the team. I'm kind of from the old school of you make them earn their stripes. Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with you, Brett. But nowadays it's so hard. And look, I do the same thing. And I saw that both sides of it uh, came in. There was no testing in 05. Then we have testing in 06. We had, you know, now the rookies are getting hazed and last. But you know what, man? I served a plane for three years. I loved every last. You want to ask me what I miss the most about playing ball? Being a rookie, serving beer on the plane, playing cards. I miss yep. that so much. I don't miss the, the rat race like you called it earlier and the grinding and getting ready for hours every day. Do I miss that? Hell no. But, you know, it is funny, too. Now I'm doing Ness in here, right? And they've been asking me, and I was like, no, I'm not getting involved with media, but I found my love for the game again, I think. And so I've, I've been starting to do stuff. But it's like here in Boston, man, it's like yesterday – I wanted to, I, I wanted to just lay in about Bloom, and I'm like, listen, like you're in Boston, and we're in last place here, like this does not fit, this does not work, and so, and it's much like, and you know, the manager can only do so damn much, man, and it's like, Alex Cora is so handcuffed, and it's like that part of the game has also changed too now, and I'm sure your brother will tell you this, but you got. You got so many damn people making decisions now. And so for me, I call it the way it is. Like, hey, you're not going to have a good league, big league team unless you get the help from above. And so I don't know, man. That's, that's changed a lot, too. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Yeah, it really has. Um, I had Smoltzy on recently. John Smoltz, was a, and we talked about it. We touched on it early. You weren't always a, a closer. You were yeah. – uh, I'll go back to your high school. You were a hitter. Yeah. You go to Mississippi State, you're a closer. You go to the minor leagues, you're a starter. Oh yeah. five, you started three games in the big leagues. That's the last time you started. And then you kind of took over in 06, and the rest is kind of history in a, in a long, great career. Um, after doing all this, being on all sides of the ledger, what do you think is more valuable, closer or starting pitcher? You know, I've, asked, I've been asked that uh, a lot. Um, and I, you know, I'm going to say, and you're going to be surprised I'm going to say this, but I do, I think a starter is more valuable. Okay. Because here's the reason why you, you can't have a closer without a starter. If you don't, so for me, every year I made an all-star team, I had to be on a good team. I had to have a starter that could go out there and put the team in a chance to win, and I had to have a lineup that could go out there and score some runs so that we could be ahead. So to me, I was just the finishing piece. Um, you know, like I said, you, you you can't get to one without the other, so I'm going to say a starter. But, um, you know, for me, closers are, are obviously important as well. Uh, your fourth round pick in 2003, you alluded to the fact that baseball was kind of in your family. Your mom was a softball player. Yeah. She went to LSU. I remember LSU. I, my last regional in college was at LSU. Um, <laughs> what y'all do? Man. We we went into uh, – we had a double elimination. LSU had to beat us twice uh, the final day for us not to go to the College World Series. That was before you had the – you just had the regional. Then you went to the World Series. Right, right. right. There, were all, there, weren't re, there weren't super regionals. There was, right. You go to the regional. The best team comes out of the regional. You go to the College World Series. And we were SC. We were smoking everybody, and it comes out of the final day, and it's uh, Paul Bird, and and we had to beat Birdie. Chad Birdie, and we had to beat Chad OJ. Oh yeah! And they and all we had to do was win one out of two, and they beat us twice. <laughs> we went home. They went to the College World Series. I never got to go. Yeah. Anyway, you're a fourth round pick, uh, two thousand three. Uh, you get to the big leagues in two thousand five. You. Shoot, you had three. You started three times, but but you took over. How did that actual? You talked about going into Tito's office. How did that actual uh, actual change come about? Where you go to the bullpen and now you're the closer. I know 06, you kind of took over first All Star game. You had a point nine two in 06, but talk me through the starter to closer. Uh, how did that transform? Yeah, was this, it just talking to Francona? Yeah, for me, it was kind of interesting. Um, so I go, I get Matt Clement gets hit in the head. I come up to the big leagues. I start. I had success. They decided to keep me there. You know, it was a little bit before the trade deadline, so I stayed all the way through. Um, this is in 05. The White Sox won the world. Yeah, so we played them opening in the first round. Yeah, we played them in the first round. Um, and I was on the playoff roster and I, you know, they moved me from being a starter cause you only need four. Then they moved me down to the pin and cause I had success. And of course that's how I learned to pitch at Mississippi state was out of the pin. So, um, I did well in the playoffs. Unfortunately we lost. And then the following season, they're like Theo and you know, all those, I was his, one of his first draft class. So, 
He's like, we're going to start you. They had their whole, you know, pre-analytics of we got to get more innings out of you so you're going to be a starter. So I said, okay. So I started the Meyer Leagues, which was very beneficial for me. I will say that. Learned to throw a split. Learned how to really pitch. Um, and then go to spring training in 06, and they're starting me. So I go into Tito's office one day, and I'm like, Tito, man, I am not a fucking starter, man. Come on, dude. Work with me. Let's talk to Theo. And God, honest with you, man, he's, this is one of the best managers. And I'm not just saying this because we play together, but he he worked with me. And, man, I, I can't tell you on how many things. But he said, all right, pal, I'll make a deal with you. I'll make – if, if uh, you go through spring training and we have no closer, uh, you're going to start all spring training. You're going to start. Like, they, no questions asked. And I tell you what, if I can't find a closer by the time spring training's over, I'll let you talk to uh, Theo. We'll have a meeting. Well, I was like, yeah, I already knew what we had in the pen, and it was, and I knew the guys in the pen wanted me in the pen with them. We already kind of had all this, you know. And I was talking to Wake. I was like, hey, Wake, listen, like, you're, we're, we're like, we got all this. Little did they know, the whole team was kind of behind this, and they wanted me to close as well. And so we went into spring training, no, no, no closer still. So I had me, Veritech, and all the guys that, you know, supported me. And they're like, hey, Theo, here's our new closer. And I was like, thanks, guys. You know, so I'm so grateful for that, man. You know, you don't really have that opportunity, especially nowadays, man, I, to, to express myself to say, and I'm so grateful. I don't know if I would have had the career I would have if I wouldn't have had that. Yeah. I mean – it was kind of destiny and, and the rest is history. Different, a different era now too. You know, you see these kids today, uh, the young players starting in the draft. I look at it on the position player side. You know, the, the day I got drafted, I went to that little mini camp that we go to. They told me, all right, you're going to a ball. And I was a second baseman and that's all I played. I never played a game anywhere else. And for the next right. 16 17 years of second base today it's different you'll get unless you're just that bona fide stud shortstop these kids are playing short they play third they play second that's on the position player side everybody back then that was drafted reasonably high you're a starting pitcher until we tell you you're not a starting pitcher it's almost like especially when i was when i was young it's like no you don't want to be in the pen you want to be a starter now it's different they're grooming young players to be, you know, not everybody's a closer, but they're grooming guys to be a sixth, seventh, eighth inning guy. Money is being put in the bullpens where before it was an afterthought. It's like, all right, if you don't make it as a starter, you're going to the bullpen. Time has changed and, and things are different. And like I said, I don't mean to, I want to take away that closer role because closers have always been closer. They had that elite stuff that was at the end of the game. Nowadays, you're seeing elite stuff starting in the sixth inning. You're seeing guys coming out in the sixth. Um. So, so that's the that's what I notice in the in changing from well, you know who not only your time, my time to today. You know who we had to thank for that? Our guys, Hoff and Mo. They are the ones and, and Suter, and there's some guys in league, but the popularity of the closer, Hoff and Mo are the two guys, in my opinion, that we have to thank for that. And the recognition of the uh, and recognizing how important the role is because of them. Um, 
But man, it, it you're right. Today's game is so different, you know. And um, you know, we're gonna do pregame on Nesson today, and and we're gonna probably talk about a lot of the analytics that go into the game today because um, you know, every team has everything, and you know, like the Red Sox brought in Bloom from uh, Tampa, I believe, right? To kind of you know what system they were, I, and I don't really know what systems go into what and everybody has their zone now but as this game evolves i'd like to learn it and like to like say what what is more important and how can you measure a kid's heart or what is more important is now is because of the new rules is it speed are you going to go speed are your analytics going to be driven towards speed now or you know so to me it, when we played, it was like, man, can this guy, does he Does he pitch? Does he let his nuts hang out when he goes out there? Um, does he have swagger? Do we, he's not afraid of me. How do you measure all that these days, you know? I think he, I, I think it comes out of this because I get asked that question. I said, <clears throat> the great managers have that intuition. They have that sixth sense. Well, first of all, we lived together for 162 games. Right. And – Certain guys earn the right – how do I put it? I'd have the great manager. They come to the mound, and depending on who's on the mound is how this is going to go. Certain guys that earned that respect, it was a look. It was the way they answered a question. Sometimes the question wasn't even – they didn't even care what the answer was. They just wanted to see how it was answered. And that would be the difference whether they're staying in the game or they're coming out of the game. It, it had more to do than just, just – the situation and what the matchup was. It's like, no, this guy, if he tells me this, I know he's good for another inning. So these are all things that you read as a manager that, that, you know, they, they transcend the analytics. Yeah. And I'm all for the analytics. I'm all for getting me as much info as you can possibly get to me. And then I'll decipher what I use, filter in, filter out. But part of me, you know, is like, man, I wish I had what these guys have today. You give me a laptop, I can watch Jonathan Papelbon. I can watch his last five outings. Now I know what's coming. Back in my day, it's like, <laughs> give me a VCR, and hopefully I get the, this guy's last start. But we never had any of the guys in the pen. I never well, had access well, to that. I oh, kind of had to, to, to go on, on the fly. Or even better, back in your day, it was, hey, man, what's he got? What's you got? Also, the guy on deck. Yeah, he ain't gonna get him today, you know. Right. I mean, yeah. So I, that's what I. That's what for me, you know. Because I'll be honest with you, a lot of times when all these analytics started coming into the game, and we got one hour pre-pitching meetings. Right. And I'm like, uh, I'm already late for the meeting half the time, you know. But and I'm like, man, like, do we? Please, I hope nobody's listening to all this right now because this is all hodgepodge that, like, when you get out there on the mound, you're not going to remember, number one. Like, nobody can can take all that information. And, and I know guys have stuff written down. They're pulling stuff out of their pockets now. And cars. That's, a, that, that's amazing to me. I, I don't know what they're looking at. Like, guys I need to, I need to balls and They got cards <laughs> in their hand. It's unbelievable. So, to me, I never really paid attention to any of that because – I can't tell you how many times I would see uh, – I'd be inside getting ready for the game and, and uh, Jeep. Somebody like Jarek Jeter's up there and he gets first couple hits a game and then I'm out there in the ninth. I'm like, this is not the same swing I saw the first 
it, it, like so how can I go on what you give the analytics you gave me so everything changed in the ninth you know nobody wants to make that last out so for me I never really paid but now as an analyst for Nesson I, I, I feel like I have to learn it and I want to you know take me through that 2007 year you know they they the, the curse was broken in 2004 I watched that it was amazing to me uh, but 2007, it comes around again. You guys are World Series champions. You beat the Rockies. Take me through that year. Did you know spring training you had a special team? Yeah, well, see, here's the thing is in spring training in, in 05, I was in big league camp with all of them right after they went. And, you know, that was the, the team that did it all. And, you know, of course, I'm coming in as a young prospect. And like I said, it was it was a tough group to – to Pierce. I mean, that I think me and Kevin Euclid were the only 20 year olds on that team for a long time, man. And it was a tough group to Pierce and you had some hardcore dudes that just won a world series. And so I was fortunate enough to go there. And I remember we were facing the blue, no, the Baltimore Orioles in uh, spring training and, um, Millar and Damon and Trot and all were getting drilled by some Dominican throwing a hundred. And I'm out there. I'm like, man, well, look, I'm not going back on that, on that bench unless I start drilling people. So I started, I think I had Palmero, Sosa, a bunch of hall of famers coming up. I started drilling hall of famers. And I even got, I'm spring. <laughs> I don't even have a day in the big leagues. And Sammy Sosa charges the mound on me and we're fucking getting into it. So, after that, Tito was like, he pulls me in the office. He's like, Pat, what the hell is going on out there, man? What are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I just did what I felt like I had to do. I mean, I know we got our asses kicked because I drilled everybody. But And then Tito's like, I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, yeah, that's just kind of how they welcomed me when I got there, you know, because of, I had spring training with them. Very cool. And the, and the 07 run, you know, it's so – I've had so many guys on this program, and, and some guys got rings, some guys don't have rings. Some guys – you know, we just had Griffey on recently. Played all those years. One of the greatest players of all time. Never even got to a World Series, let alone won one. That feeling, you got – you you were there last pitch. You ended it. It's uh, a feeling like none other, man. You know, and I, I'll be I, – I, I, I admit, you know, I really don't – man, we were – we were, those were the days where we were out every night and man, we were having a fun time and you know, I no social at, media. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. I don't know how they do it now. God almighty. It's gotta be terrible. But you know, um, for me, I, I, I was riding the wave, man. And you know, obviously there's a childhood dream to strike out somebody to win the world series. And, um, you know, I ended up playing again. I went to Mississippi State. The kid I struck out was from Ole Miss. We played since we were 18 together. So it was it was kind of nostalgic, but it's a hard thing to explain. And um, you know, now that I look back and I'm tired, man, how blessed I was. Uh, it's it's hard to imagine because I wasn't as thankful for it, you know, when I played. But now it's man, it's it's incredible to go back and talk about it for sure. Um, talk about talk to me about the rivalry. With the Yankees back then, I know as a player, uh, you know, in the early two thousands, I was on those some great Mariner teams. But uh, but uh, I'll tell you what, it was still we'd we'd stop what we were doing and watch that Boston Yankee rivalry. Yeah, but it we're, just okay, was what it was. Did y'all y'all didn't lose? Uh, did y'all y'all did not lose a series all year, right? I think we lost one in September. 
Or you lost one late. Right. We yeah. screwed it up. But it yeah. was still that Boston and and I talk about it all the time. I love my time in Seattle. Wouldn't wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh love my time in Cincinnati. But I always wanted to play the end of my career. I, I, I wanted to play in New York. I love I loved Yankee Stadium. I loved old Yankee Stadium. Never got that opportunity, but I really, you know, I'd watch you guys in that rivalry, and it's like it was the only – they're trying to make rivalries in, in Seattle, like you and the Padres. And we're like, come on, that's, that's not a real rivalry. I, when we watched Yankee Boston, that was the rivalry, and, and it was cool. Take me inside that a little bit uh, as a player back then, 07. Yeah, you know, for me, when I, when I, when I came up, it was – um okay so first we had your brother hit the home run against Wake, defeated right. then they come and win it the next year and then it's ingrained as you once as soon as that i feel like as soon as 04 happened um and you know you could go all all the brawls that had happened you know the the one in the bullpen the one with the royo and tech and i mean Pedro throws in. I mean, they all got crazy, you know? I, I mean, and it's just, to me, as soon as I was drafted, being from the South, I didn't know about Yankees and Red Sox as much until I got up there. And it was ingrained in me. It really truly was ingrained into me that if I come up here and I have success against the Yankees, I'm doing something. Like, that is what – they expected me, and if I don't have success in the Yan- against the Yankees, I will not be here very long. So, um, yeah, that became an integral part of my career to make sure that I had success against them. Now, did Jarek Jeter bloop a few on me every now and then? Yeah, but overall, I, I had success against them, and I think that um, that plays a big part, man. You can't have success against your guys in the division that you know have been kicking your ass for a long time, and now you're starting to kick their ass, and you got to give them back. You're not going to stick around here long. It's just a fact. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. 08, you're an all-star again. 09, an all-star. You were a six-time all-star. 2014, you're with the Phillies. Uh, get your 300th career save. Something to it. There's something, certain things as position players that are kind of milestones you hit. Uh, I would assume, you know, for starters, there's milestones. They're they're ever changing now with with the game, the way the game is now. Wins and losses aren't a big deal like they used right. to be. But uh, three hundred, you, you get three hundred safe. Kind of, kind of a big deal. Yeah, you know, I and it was for me. And, and like I said earlier, I I look at it now more than I did before. Um, 
But I was going to Philadelphia. Man, shit. Halliday, Hamels, Cliff Lee, Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, myself. I mean, dude, I could have gone. I thought, honestly, I was, you know, the whole Bobby Valentine thing started to happen in Boston, and I got out before that, and I thought I was going to Philadelphia, and, man, I was going to put some more rings on my finger. I, that's, I honestly thought that. And then we had, you know, you know, God rest his soul, Halliday just started getting old um, injuries with Brian Howard's Achilles, and, you know, a lot of things happened. But, I, you know, for me, hitting 300 – was obviously so special, um, and I didn't even, you know, I didn't realize I was the fastest to get to 300, and they're telling me I was faster than Mo, and I was like, man, well, I'm going to chase Mo, and then all of a sudden, like I talked about earlier, I started falling apart. The teams in Philly started falling apart, so I didn't have opportunities, so every opportunity came slow, you know. To get 35 saves, I was pumped about that instead of 45 like in Boston. Right. Um, so, you know, that, that started to happen towards the end of my career. And, um, you know, then I go into Washington and I was kind of, you know, I gave up money to go there thinking that I was going to a different team than what I was expected to go to. And then, you know, me and Harp got into it, which was fine. We're great now, but there was turmoil in the clubhouse then. And so, I just did not have as many opportunities as I would have liked to towards the end of my career, but it happens. Uh, you finished with the Nash uh, with the Nationals. Um, great career, three hundred eighty six saves, two four four Ernie. Uh, that's a lot. Six All Star games. That's a lot of. That's a lot of uh, damage you did. You look at that. We were just talking about the rivalry with New York and Boston. The East is different now. You talk about Nesson. You're you're <clears throat> you're working with them. Different now. You got Baltimore top the division. Uh, Tampa Bay has really come into their own. I mean, year in and year out, they're they're a pain in the neck. Uh, Toronto, a lot better. Got a great offense. Pitching's better. What about Boston? You say they're last place. Yankees, or it's you know, you guys are battling for the seller. Still over five hundred. Not like it, like the in the central. That's the thing. They're both of the teams are over five hundred. Yeah, some of these national teams—they're taking that. That's what's so crazy, Brett. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what—they still Boston and New York still have a chance. Right. In your in your day in the beginning in Boston, these other these other teams weren't even. It was who's going to win this year, Yankees or Boston? It was back and forth. Now it's different. It's a different division. Hey, look, it, when we played back in the day, and uh, David Ortiz will tell you this. I think you got it. our motto was: we're going to drink your beer and we're going to kick your ass. And, like, the Blue Jays and Orioles were, like, Camden Yard was Fenway South, literally. And and now it's, it's, it's all changed. But, you know, the great thing is, is about the game now is, man, with the wild card and all that, it's, you really you, you have a chance. Every team still has a chance. And these guys still going to play each other a lot. But, um you know, to me as a player, man, I, I, I can only speak as a player. I've never been in the front office. I've never, you know, you know, done this. But now I'm doing, you know, I'm an analyst, so-called analyst with Jim Nice <laughs> here. Uh, you know, me and Jim get into it a lot. He's the Hall of Famer here. But I, 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 I enjoy it. But, man, like, the – the Red Sox have done absolutely nothing to make them any better. And I don't know 
what the analytics say that, man, if you're in the hunt for a postseason and you need a whole lot more and you don't go get anything, what does that tell you as a player? Brett, you're playing, and when you're on a team, you busted your ass all season long to, to get to the trade deadline to maybe get that one more guy to take you over the hill. You got Chris Sale coming back, Trevor Story coming back. Uh, man, like, why? just it blew my mind, man. And I, I don't know, dude. We've just had this talk with the with the trade deadline and teams I've been on <clears throat> and, and what the players do go through. I know I've been at the trade deadline a few times where we look up and it's like they didn't do anything. Now all of a sudden we go to that clubhouse the next day and it's us. Now there's 26, 25 guys. We're looking at each other. It's like it's us against the world. Now I've also been on teams where at the deadline we went out and got a piece and, and kind of everybody that next day in the clubhouse is like, all right, management's got our back. We can go on. Now that doesn't always end well, but from a player's perspective, I know you've been through it. I've been through it. You appreciate when management's pulling on the same end of the rope as, as uh, us in the clubhouse. You do not win a championship or you do not go far in postseason without management having your back, not only in the media, but on the team, you know, there's 26 guys on the team. But you also got, in today's world, got amounts of trainers and coaching staff that all have to be on your back, that all have to protect the player and the manager, that now also you have to have a front office that is on board to do the same. And if you don't have front office, staff, and players all – protecting each other, having each other's back, trying to do something special, you just don't win. The uniqueness about the East this year, American League East, is Yankees and Boston, even though they're in fourth and fifth place, with the way that set up, they're still in this. One of those teams can still make – you can't have five from a division, but you can't have four mathematically. Uh you know, I keep a special eye, obviously, on a few teams. I, I keep a special eye on the Mariners. I, I, I follow what the Reds are doing. And, obviously, I keep, a, I keep an eye on the Yankees from, from a family Correct. perspective. Correct. You're looking at it right now. What are you doing this year, though, baby? Huh? I got to love – man, you love what the Reds are doing this year, man. I lo- it's, it's pretty cool. You know, I, I love those stories now. Me too, man. Because Baltimore – when's the last time we talked about Baltimore? They've been the doormat for how many years? All of a sudden, that's a pretty cool, pretty cool story. This L.A. De La Cruz comes up and and uh, a teammate of mine and one of my favorite guys too. He's a red ass. David Bell's at the helm in in Cincinnati. So I, I like watching stories like that. It's very cool. Crystal Ball. Do the Yankees or Boston? Does either one make it to the postseason? Okay. Um, and if if so, only one can do it. The position they're sitting in. I don't see – I honestly, I don't see the Red Sox making it because they don't have – Alex Cora, to me, has done the most amazing job of any manager this year in, in, given what he's had to work with, man. The amount of shuffling that he has had to do this year – look, man – I, they got guys coming up in the minor leagues. I'm, I got to get briefed. Who's this guy today? Who's this guy tomorrow? Like, <laughs> I don't even know who these guys are, you know, some of them. And so his job to me has been excruciating and hard. And to me, the front office has made it that way. And so 
I'm looking at the front office is already called the the general manager said already said the Red Sox are underdogs. Why should we add on? Okay. Well, if your general manager is saying you're underdogs, then why should we add on? How do you think everybody else feels around here? Yeah. So to me, the statement says everything, and that puts the mood is oh well, we're not gonna win. So what else do you expect? So if the general manager is going to create that mood around here and in this city, why should you expect them to be in the playoffs? 2023, Jonathan Papelbon takes the mound. How are you doing with the pitch clock? <laughs> well, you know, me and Joe West used to have a lot to do about this before they started this pitch clock, and I used to get fined a lot. Theo would actually pay my fines, and he'd say, you just do your routine, whatever, until they started getting steeper and steeper. We had to change. So. <laughs> I realize you have to change. I realize the owner, you only get, you know, what do they call them? I call them a pickoff, but now they're called disengagements. Disengagements, right. Like, what the hell is that? You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, you get two picks, and I I would I would adjust to it just because that is what you have to evolve. And now right. would I like it? Not necessarily, but I would probably be that guy, like I'm in the hotel room. I'd be in the mirror with the clock, you know, I'd be trying little things and, and, and making it work. Uh, would I like it? No. Yeah. As a hitter, I, I, I look back and forth. I think as a hitter, it'd be a little bit easier. If you have a certain way you go about uh, on the mound, I, I can understand how that'd be an adjustment, especially after years in the game. But as a hitter, uh, I don't know. For me, I think it would be no big deal. I, now I don't like the fact that, I need to engage you at the eight second mark. And yeah, that, you, can hold, you can hold the ball on me and I can't call timeout. Yeah, when I call timeout, that was my kind of my ticket. I think they can work that out though. Yeah, I, I think it's there's some, some stakes to that, man. Yeah. So it's, it's not perfect yet. I don't think it's perfect yet. There's going to be, some, you know, he's got to look and engage him. Right. There's some, right. So, um, yeah. But the hard thing is, is for you guys like Scherzer and Verlanders who have done this for you know, right. 20 years. Yeah. So it's. Well, Pap, I wish you all the best, man. I appreciate you coming on. Best best of luck with Nesson. Tell, uh, tell you, I said, hello. He was, he's a friend of the program and, uh, all the best, man. You can wake and me now. Yeah. Tell wake's been on the show. Tell wake. I said, hi too. I'd, I've been battling wake since double a ask him about double a. Yeah, they made I, me catch with him my rookie year, and I had 20 off my shins. That was part of my uh, hazing. Well, I appreciate it. For all okay, you out buddy. there wa- watching the Boone Podcast, I appreciate you watching, appreciate you listening, and yeah, we'll man. see you next time. Okay, man, we'll see you.